Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to another episode of the Church Law Podcast. I'm your host, Erika Cole, known as the church attorney. Today, we get to discuss another hot topic in the church world, church mergers. And let me just say, even if this is not something that you can imagine being on the forefront of your church's considerations right now, stick around because almost every church can benefit from the additional tips that I provide in this episode that can strengthen any church. So first of all, talking about church mergers, let's just have a working definition. What is a church merger and how do they work? By definition, a merger is the combining of two or more legal entities into one. Of course, when we're talking about church mergers, we are specifically looking at the way in which one or more distinct church bodies come together to unite as one church. But there are several ways this can be done. So in many regards, churches have found it beneficial to combine their resources and continue under one mission and perhaps even expand, enlarge the vision or the footprint of the church. And so that's often the intended outcome of a successful church merger. As you can imagine, a merger requires a significant undertaking and legal considerations and steps to effectuate the merger. So I'm actually excited to share that I have recently authored a book called The Church Attorney's Guide to a Successful Church Merger. And of course, I'll include the link to that downloadable book below in the show notes. But it's an exciting undertaking, frankly, because I don't know that there is any specific guide that's focusing on the legal considerations of a church merger. So why might a church consider a merger? A new study from LifeWave Research suggests that this trend of church mergers really kind of hit a notable height in 2019. And frankly, COVID has only exacerbated what we're seeing as more churches closing than new churches opening. And unfortunately, this downward trend is only expected to accelerate. So those of us who live in the U.S. have seen the recent data about the steep decline in church attendance, which, of course, is linked to the recent LifeWay study of showing that more churches are closing than opening. 
So the lingering result is fewer and fewer people in the pews, which means less revenue to meet the budgeted activities and services. And rather than closing, some churches have decided that merging with another church is a better option. Other circumstances or scenarios that might bring a church to consider a merger include the loss or the passing of the senior pastor or perhaps an outside facility compared to the number of people actually in the building. Also, the mounting cost of deferred facility repairs can overextend church budgets and really demand that leadership consider other options. So when we talk about a church merger, let's just have a working consideration of some of the how-tos of a church merger. So as a general matter, there are three principal ways a merger can be done. The first option is, we'll call it Church A, merges into Church B. And so in that example, we would call Church B the surviving entity. Another option is that Church A dissolves, leaving its assets to Church B after all of Church A's liabilities are taken care of. And the third of the top most popular ways a church merger is done is that both Church A and Church B dissolve and form a brand new entity, Church C. So I'm going to give you an actual example of a church merger that I worked on and that worked well. And I will also give you an example of one that I didn't work on. I was bought in actually when things went south, but we'll we'll talk more about that. So an example of a church merger that worked well, I represented a church for a number of years and the church was a church plant and it had grown. It had moved from a smaller facility that it rented to a larger facility that it rented. And um, to the applause of the pastor, he came to realize that his extensive skill set from professional training in the secular world allowed him to do a magnificent job in more of the administrative components of church operations. But he didn't really feel that he was most suited for that big Sunday morning message, more the preaching side. He really felt more of the executive pastor skill set. On the other hand, there was another pastor that he had come to know who loved, loved, loved the preaching aspects component of church, but didn't have the strength so much in the more Bible study educational curriculum component and the administrative part of church. And so these two pastors came together, began to have discussions about what it might look like to have their churches merge together. They also had an overlapping footprint of where their churches operated. It wasn't precisely the same area, but overlapping enough that they thought it could be of value to move forward. And so ultimately, they approached me and I was able to walk them through some of the same information that I'll be sharing with you today 
about how to successfully move forward with the church merger. On the other hand, here's an example of a church merger gone awry. In this instance, there was a church that had existed for a number of decades and you know had been doing well. The pastor had decided that he was at the stage where he wanted to move away from full-time pastoring. And after, you know, years of fantastic service and shared with the congregation that there was another church, again, within their geographic area that he would encourage them to fellowship with. And on a date certain, um, the church would be effectually merged into this other existing body. Well, there was not the due diligence or legal processes in place. The church did this without legal counsel. And so by the time they made it to my office, things had come a bit unhinged. Much of the congregation had a different viewpoint about how this matter should be handled. The funds of the church had been transferred. Funds from church A had been transferred to church B. And many of those donors to Church A were concerned that their voice wasn't heard. So this just gives a couple of examples of how when you have good processes outlined on the front end, then a church merger can be a great, a great opportunity for building the kingdom and expanding perhaps the church's footprint. And I would say that while churches are merging today for many reasons, there could be the possibility that after proper due diligence, your church determines that a merger is not its best solution. There are other options besides merging. So if a church decides that a merger wouldn't be beneficial, either because it isn't appropriate or isn't a good fit, or the timing is not right, or maybe the two organizations might find other ways to work together to share resources and better serve the community. Those other opportunities could include a cost-sharing agreement, allowing the churches to contribute costs for shared administrative needs, shared building operations, et cetera, maybe even a joint agreement for the sharing of space for programming or perhaps connecting with a denomination that may have available property or subleasing. This is something that I saw happen and was able to participate in the successful, I guess I would say, shedding of a denomination's property. They were just property heavy, which is happening with many denominations these days. They were property heavy, and I was able to connect them with a church that actually needed property. And so this way, the denomination was able to ensure that the church property was utilized by another church and transition that property in a successful way. So again, anytime we're making decisions such as this, we want to make sure we're weighing the benefits and the pitfalls. So declining membership and financial challenges, especially those prompted by the recent pandemic, have spurred some church leaders to contemplate whether a merger is right for them. And as we have somewhat 
highlighted already, the potential benefits are many. We talked about the potential benefits of right-sizing space utilization, right? If you're a church that maybe it seats 300, but you currently have 50 there, you might want to consider ways to make better usage of that space. And I've found that some churches have used merging to combine resources in that way. The potential benefits are great um, when you talk about cost sharing, being able to have access to other resources, um, meeting administrative needs, etc. But the potential pitfalls also loom. So selecting the merger strategy that fits your circumstances and answers key strategic questions about your church and the potential partner church are the basis for a merger that creates the best harmony rather than a source of discord. So again, in my book, The Church Attorney's Guide to Church Mergers, I provide you with a checklist for all the documents needed for a successful church merger. You're going to want to make sure that you collect all of the needed documentation early in the process as you're considering whether this is something that could be right for your churches. David Kinneman, the president of Barna Group, said regarding the 2020 state of the church that the challenges of leading the people of God are formidable and still the opportunities for community transformation and personal flourishing are surprisingly bright. I believe that church mergers are such a bright spot. To be successful, however, the decision to merge must begin with earnest prayer and deep spiritual contemplation. But it can't stop there. The most successful mergers have a healthy recognition of the legal, accounting, property, and other temporal but important considerations. While the legal nuts and bolts of a merger may be somewhat similar, whether we're talking about combining two businesses or two churches, the unique mission of the church, the special relationship between the people in the church, And the church's tax-exempt status make the process distinct from a traditional corporate merger. Deciding which merger strategy to use is made on a case-by-case basis and can be best determined as a result of due diligence. As I describe in my book, due diligence is a systematic process involving detailed reviews of the legal, accounting, and other relevant information from each of the merging churches. You're going to want to make sure that you are choosing the right leaders to decide the vision, the name, the location, the staffing. All of these are necessary when we consider the keys to a successful merger. After journeying with me through this consideration of church mergers, perhaps at the end of it all, you may decide that a church merger is right for you. I would encourage you to um, grab the church attorney guide to mergers, take a look at that checklist, look at the systematic considerations for moving forward, and really be able to see what best practices will position your church for organizational strength. On the other hand, you may have determined that right now it doesn't seem like the best possible option but you might want to consider some other things that would maybe ameliorate some of the challenges that um, many churches are experiencing right now. 
So one of those things that I mentioned was maybe a cost sharing arrangements. So let's say one church has resources another church needs, such as office space or equipment or facility or even staff. The church that has needed resources could enter into an agreement with that other church. Of course, for this to work, it's important that the churches have similar missions and purpose. Another consideration that some churches are currently doing is a sublease. So if your church owns a facility that is underutilized, you may consider subleasing a portion or the entirety, dependent upon what your church's needs are, of the space to another church. Of course, you must confirm that your current lease, if you're not the owner, allows for such an arrangement and work with a competent professional in preparing the sublease terms. At the end of the day, it is possible that a merger or one of the other tools that I've mentioned in today's episode would be of service to you, to your church, and for the ongoing operation and service of the community that God's called you to serve. I've adopted a certain saying, and it says that the greatest room is the room for improvement. So whatever way the church can position itself for the greatest amount of external good is worth the effort. A merger may be the tool for churches to emerge in a new, exciting way. At least I think it's worth your consideration if any of the issues I've described resonate with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thanks for listening to the Church Law Podcast. We invite listeners like you to submit questions and comments. Send your email with the subject line podcast question to contact at takethenextcall.com. This podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.